Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning and welcome to episode 57 of the Jaguar Report podcast. My name is Gus Logue. I'm joined by my co-host John Shipley. John, how was your Saturday afternoon yesterday? Yesterday was Sunday, but it, it was good nonetheless. It was, it was, I I like when, you know, like the Jaguars like have the 930 starts. Not that, you know, I, I, I think the London trip, especially this week, you know, with them being over there for two weeks, I hate because mm-hmm. I'm literally not doing anything, you know in person this week, but 9.30 starts. I mean, you get your work done by about 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, and you get the rest of uh, Red Zone, so it was nice. Yeah, it was a it was a long day, but in the best way possible because it was just basically 12 hours of football if if you were into it like that. <laughs> yeah, they, they were some, there was some pure slop played in the National Football League yesterday. Mm-hmm. Pure slop. It was gnarly especially, but – uh, let's break down the Jags game. They had their first of two consecutive London games yesterday on Sunday. They defeated the Atlanta Falcons twenty-three to seven. Um, it 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 felt like like if I could describe like that win, it was like the Atlanta Falcons of wins. It's like what what like the fat like the Falcons are like an NPC like franchise right yeah. now. You know? Like it's a win. This is kind of there. I mean, Bijan's not on NPC, but pretty much everyone else is. Uh, we'll get to the Jags' defense against Bijan and the rest of the offense later. But let's start with the offense. I mean, Jacksonville's offense against Atlanta's defense. One of us said – one of us predicted a Jaguars victory because one quarterback was better oh, than the think I think we saw a little bit of that. Oh, God. Trevor yeah, Lawrence yeah, had yeah. a perfect day. There was a couple of times when he was, like, a little bit too late to either, like – get off of his first read 
or more often than not, he was too quick to get off of his first read. So we've, we, we're continuing to see a little bit of like the offensive line kind of affecting him and his process a little bit. But other than that, like it was a pretty good, good, clean game from Lawrence and the rest of the offense. They kind of just took care of business and did what they needed to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen a lot of people like, obviously it wasn't a great game. You know, I, I, I'd venture to say maybe not even a good game from the offense. But, I mean, they had, you know, four, five scoring drives, at least in it, you know, some drives that they were able to sustain, which is an improvement from, you know, the last couple of weeks. I, mean, I, th- I thought the biggest thing was that, you know, like, uh, again, a lot of people like seemed like pretty upset with the offense performance or at least, you know, Lawrence's performance. I mean, he threw seven incompletions. So it's not like there were like a lot of misses, you know, in there. I think that fourth down play where he could have hit Kirk on the corner, mm-hmm. you know, it's definitely a play you can chalk up to, you know, that was a negative by Lawrence, you know, like, yeah, you can argue, you know, just running it on fourth and short, which you know, I, on one hand, probably I would have done, but on the other hand, they were also kind of getting gashed in the running game, especially like a short yards running game. I mean, Travis Etienne had 20 carries for 55 yards. You know? He was literally just getting slammed into a wall on every like single carry. Like outside of Trevor Lawrence's like couple scrambles, their longest carry for the day was seven yards. So it was. Was that even ETN too? Yeah, like- it was. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 I think Tank Bigsby would have had a 10-yard run, but it was taken out by the double whammy penalty on Brendan Strange. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot on that one. <laughs> that, that, the cameras catching Doug, just giving him an earful on the sidelines was was pretty good. It, it, that was television. Yeah. No, it, it, it was, it, it was, it was nice. Uh, I, I honestly probably the most interesting thing that's come of that pick, you know, so far. And like that, that penalty was like another like reason. Like they didn't have a ton of penalty issues yesterday. They had three penalties. Two of them came on that one play by Brendan Strange, but that did kind of stall what was looking like a good drive. But like when I look at Lawrence's game, yeah, he had that one Mr. Kirk. I personally, I got killed for saying this, but when, yeah, you know, the all twenty-two angles come out today. I feel kind of like, why are you booing me? <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm right. Like that play late in the game where he rolled right and like freelance and threw a pass to hate to Hasty in the end zone where mm-hmm. Kirk came wide open. You, know, you, you walk a little, got beat by Bud Dupree. Was giving up pressure, but it looked like there was at least room for Trevor, like to you know step up in the pocket, but. It just like you had mentioned, his process seemed sped up because of the line. Like once he felt pressure, he was like trying to get out of the pocket and make a play. And to his credit, there was a pretty big lane, like to rush. I think it was only a three man rush, so there was a big lane. But otherwise, other than those plays, I thought he played, you know, like a safe game. He took care of the football. They didn't really ask him like to do a lot. Like you look at his passing chart this week and Bryce Young's passing chart and they're not like, <laughs> like anything to Bryce Young's passing chart. They're close cousins. They are <laughs> close cousins. They Bryce Young when kept clean 3.1 yards a dot. Trevor Lawrence 3.9. Like they they clearly the offense is like play calling. I think they had what six passes the Jaguars had that were over 10 air yards. Like it yeah. was clear to me, and two of those came on broken plays. So that's not even like plays where it's designed to go deep. So to me, right. it's clear that like 
the play calling is reacting to the offensive lines issues. And on top of that, the quarterback's also been impacted by it. So you get this offense like that's like it's like a neo West Coast offense. You know, <laughs> it's like just like the most bastardized version of a West Coast passing game like you can think of. Mm-hmm. One other example I'll bring up is the Jaguars first punt of the afternoon or of the morning for East Coast watchers, I guess. Uh, it, there was a third and one on Atlanta's side of the field, and Lawrence had like it was an empty set, which I was trying to look up some stats on this and couldn't find them yet. But I feel like Lawrence has been like getting a lot more empty looks, like where there's not a running back in the formation. For sure. so that's a little interesting, and usually that's like really good for a quarterback like Lawrence who can has the arm to throw anywhere on the field and like also the processing to get anywhere on the field. But on this play, like ETN just had a short out route from the slot and then there was someone that was outside of him just running like a clear out go and Lawrence looked right at him and he was like as open as he could be in the NFL and instead Lawrence just kind of like went off of it felt a little bit pressure and then like tried to scramble and just got kind of like eaten for a sack so generally speaking it was definitely like as good of a game for Lawrence as he could hope and like the thing is like with their offensive line slash play calling issues like there's not really like a ton more out of Lawrence you can really get. Uh, but it's good to see that like now it's just like one or two like misses in terms of timing within the offense rather than like balls getting deflected off of Tank Bigsby's hands for an interception. Uh, but yeah, to your point about like the horizontal spread versus the vertical spread, the only two plays that I can think of that went beyond like 10 or 11 air yards was a play action pass to Kirk where he was like, just wide out, wide open, and it was a good concept and a good throw. And then the Ridley play, which was the first score of the day. Um, apparently, Doug said this morning, I'm pretty sure, that it was like a broken play or a broken route, and he was supposed to be shorter. And then there was just so much space available from Atlanta's secondary that Ridley kind of kept going. And Lawrence made like an incredible move in the pocket to kind of sidestep a free rusher, and then he made the throw as he was getting hit by another defender. So that was a pretty cool play, but Again, like that in the easy Kirk play action toss, that was kind of it. And so it's it's definitely a little bit of a concern to see like how talented of a quarterback they have. And they have like good enough weapons, but they're still not really able to take advantage more than 10 yards past the sticks. Yeah, I definitely feel like the margins are like, like for error are, you know, s- smaller. So like when mm-hmm. those plays are available and they don't hit them, that makes it like, Staying a bit more, but I mean, I agree there. He he took good care of the football. The few chances he had, you know, he mostly, you know, took advantage of them. And I mean, his sack avoidance alone, like in a game where they only scored, you know, 16 points on offense, like his sack avoidance was a reason for 10 of them. You know, there's the touchdown to Ridley where he had, I think, Richie Grant, you know, tough night for you. I mean, tough weekend for UCF Knights, but <laughs> nonetheless. Richie Grant, you know, missed Lawrence in the pocket, and then Lawrence was able to make the touchdown throw, you know, while on the move with another defender bearing down on him. And then it was like, you know, third and – I think it was third and nine, and, you know, like barely across midfield, you know, just in Brandon McManus's range where, like, if you get sacked for, like, even, like, two yards, it's probably, like, a punt and just a wasted mm-hmm. possession. And I think it was Jesse Bates had a free kill shot, you know, on him, nobody. And he's able to get rid of the ball, throw it incomplete. Like, yeah, it's, you know, while you hyping up an incomplete pass, I mean, he could have either one taken a sack or two, gotten, you know, a penalty. And 
be completely pushed out of field goal range. Now they had a kicker with, you know, an above high school varsity leg that they trust. And, you know, he hits the 56-yard field goal. That's 10 points right there because of the sack avoidance. So, mm-hmm. for the, like, few throws that he did miss, there were plays where he literally is the reason, like, points are put on the board. Good point, yeah. Uh, we kind of foreshadowed it a little bit last week, but we saw the offense lean a little bit away from Calvin Ridley and towards Christian Kirk. <laughs> and Evan Ingram. No, 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 What? <laughs> no, no, no. What? You, you, you're Calvin Ridley. Uh, you, 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 you bet I'm on Calvin. On both shows last week. Like, yeah, I'm a, like a little bit of a Ridley stand at this point. Yeah. But, like I, I said like, oh, I wonder if we're going to see like the offense move less okay. Ridley and more towards Christian. It, Kirk and I said it at one point, maybe you didn't hear it among the rest of my like Ridley whatever but it, it it was said and that is what we saw this weekend because ridley and engram sorry kirk and engram had a combined 15 catches yeah. on 20 targets and then the rest of the team including ridley had eight catches on a combined 10 targets so you definitely saw like where the offense is kind of like who the offense is running through i mean it is it comfortable is what comfortable the fence you're sitting on <laughs> <laughs> Even your subconscious, you know, wants to, yeah. I, I'm with you. Like, it definitely felt like a week. Like, they're almost like, okay, we can't, you know, get rid of that many passes because out of all weeks, maybe like this is the week he's just like too juiced, you know, like to go. And we talked about like the matchup, like screamed for Ingram and Kirk, you know, like the Falcons are weaker in the middle of the field and with the scheme that they run than on the outside. And, I, the Falcons they actually had AJ Terrell uh, shadow for the first time this year, which I was I, about to look that up. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. Like he said, it was the first time like they did it at all this year. So he was, you know, I'm sure part of that has to do with Zay Jones was hurt. You know, there wasn't really another outside receiver. You know, mm-hmm. J- Jacob Harris. I wrote in the snap count article that he played seven snaps on offense, and that was probably seven more than they ever intended for him. You know, this season, like when he's yeah. getting activated, it's not for offense, which a lot of people ask me why he was activated over Elijah Cooks and with, like, Jamal Agnew out. I'm like, neither, like, him, like, he, he's not going to take, you know, Jamal Agnew's role in the slot, you know. He's an outside guy. Tim Jones is already there. Like, Jacob Harris was literally just for special teams, but injuries stacked up at wide receiver. I thought that was another, like, I think, like, they almost, like, are treating Ingram as, like, a de facto, you know, wide receiver in a lot of ways, like, just the way, like, they're trying to get him the ball. And, like, you look at his route charts and it's all, like, crossing, <laughs> like, drag routes and, like, out mm-hmm. routes and stuff. Like, they know, like, the best way, I think, to use him. And this week, I think you finally saw, like, you know, the, the offense is at its most efficient when it's flowing through those two guys. And it wouldn't surprise me if that's more of what you see moving forward. Like, there'll be certain teams where the Jaguars have advantages on the outside, obviously, in mismatches. But I, I, I think they're probably going to – start getting more and more toward the Ingram and Kirk centric offense that they had last year. Yeah, I agree. And it makes sense. Uh, obviously you kind of like see how the different situations play out of like feeding Ridley, the majority of targets versus not uh, ETN has been continuing to get the lion's share of work at running back. I mean, tank had one or two runs. Dearness had one or two runs. Uh, but as we've been saying for a couple of weeks, this is definitely ETN's backfield. 
it seemed like a decent amount of people were getting frustrated about like the amount of inside rushes that he had because like it seemed like everything was just kind of like up the gut for two or three yards if that uh for etn but i looked yeah. it up this morning and his per, he actually is running slightly more outside runs than he was last year on like a rate percentage basis um and so like maybe those outside runs just hasn't haven't been as effective as they were last year which is the reason that we're all thinking like oh why is he only running inside but i mean yeah we saw him get the screen pass in the first quarter and then he got tripped up or else like maybe that would have been it (laughs) so i i I thought we were going to see a little bit more of etn utilized like out in space so that was a little bit of a surprise to me but in terms of like the usage nothing surprising at this point does he lead the league in tripped moments he's got to (laughs) (laughs) tripped moments over expected yeah that like his tpoe whatever the hell you (laughs) want to call it yeah no it i i'm I'm definitely you know with you like it's obvious it's etn's backfield like bixby has 17 like snaps in the last two weeks you know, like it, like in ETN has played over like the first month of the season, seventy-seven percent of the snaps. Like they're using him like a workhorse, and like it felt like yesterday, like literally the entire second half, they were just like trying to kill the clock <laughs> and be like, "All right, we got the lead. Let's get the hell out of here with the win." Yeah, that's so, a plan. I that like I was surprised by how much run ETN got in general, but I guess when you saw like their game plan, it made a bit more sense. I, I think people were probably frustrated too because, like yesterday, like he was running into nothing. But I mean, you're playing a, a defense that has basically three interior defenders on the line at any given time because they play Calais on the edge. So, I mean, we kind of predicted that they weren't going to get much on the ground. I will say for the offensive line, you know, this isn't a great pass rush unit, obviously, but they're mm-hmm. good inside. Great Jarrett, David Onyemata, three pressures. You know, Brandon Sheriff allowed zero. Uh, he had, you know, a really good game. Anton Harrison, zero pressures allowed. You know, Walker Little got beat by Brad Dupree on that one, Mr. Kirk, and then on a sack at the end of the first half, like two big plays that people are probably going to remember. But, I mean, uh, otherwise, Lawrence was kept pretty clean. A function of that was because, like, the offense was literally get the ball and throw yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> half a second. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, still, like, it, they weren't getting, like, immediately overmatched and like there are quick wins in the nfl you know yeah. like it, it is a thing that happens so i mean great jared one i won pressure I, I i didn't envision that coming you know at all so yeah. i definitely think it was a better game from the offensive line in that sense because i mean they, they treated the line the same way the week before you know like it's not like it was different and the line was still getting beat you know right. last week well the only thing that was different was that they put in tyler shatley in place of ben barch uh, but Doug said, was that today or yesterday, that like one of the biggest reasons was just because of the matchup that the Falcons presented. And yeah. It was like, less so about Ben Barch's performance and more so about like just the kind of dudes that we're going to see on the Falcons defensive line. Yeah, not I, – I mean, we'll obviously get into this later in the week, but it'll be interesting to see how the offensive line is going to shake out moving forward. Cam Robinson's four-game suspension is over. You know, whether or not he suits up at week five, you know, Doug kind of, you know, left the door open, you know, when he spoke earlier today. But what that offensive line, you know, looks like will be interesting because, I mean, there's a real chance that the line that we saw on Sunday with Shatley, a left guard, little left tackle is like the only time we see that iteration of it this year. Yeah. 
is there going to be a specific point in like when Cam is when his suspension is like officially released? Okay. Yeah. It's not, yeah. Okay. Yeah, probably while we podcast, knowing <laughs> knowing the timing of things. Right. Well, that'll yeah. just be something to look out for, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Any other notes on the offense? I think we hit everything I want to talk about. Yeah. I mean, I I think so. Like it just it felt like a week. Like I said, they built a 17-0 lead, you know, thanks to the defense. They saw how Ritter was playing, in my opinion, and they were basically like, all right, let's pack this thing in and, yeah. you know, let's not give Pink Bigsby the chance to have a backbreaking turnover. You know, let's – like, felt like their only, like, intended deep shot the entire second half was that random Calvin Ridley one. <laughs> like, one of the final drives where he drew, like, the pass interference. And it was right. – it was just out of complete nowhere. <laughs> Nobody in that stadium was predicting a Calvin Ridley deep shot at that moment. But, I mean, I, I, I guess before we move on, I mean, what did, did this game do anything for you in terms of your confidence on the offense, figuring things out moving forward? I guess, like, it gave me a little bit more confidence rather than me having a little bit less confidence. Like, if I had to go in one direction or the other, but – Again, I feel like this week was like a very much take care of business kind of week. And it's like, I feel like the good signs are like that there aren't any bad signs, if that makes sense. Like yeah. they played a fairly clean game, like no turnover turnovers I can think of off the top of my head other than the fourth and one in the red zone. Um, they, they didn't get credited with any drops. I know people like saying that one third down to Ingram, I think on the first drive where he ran an out route, some people were calling a drop. To me, it looked like Lawrence was like a bit, too outside with it. Uh, I, I don't know. But PFF didn't credit Ingram with a drop. Mm. I'll have to rewatch that one. I'm trying to remember what I was thinking live. I think like it was one of the ones, one of those throws where Lawrence was trying to like make sure that it was in a spot where only his guy could get it. Yeah. So maybe I like, again, I would have to go back and look at it, but off the top yeah. of my head, it was probably a little bit more Lawrence's fault than Engram's. I will yeah. say though that like Engram had two drops in like the first three weeks. And I, th- I thought both of those were on Engram. There was one in week one where he was like running a in route. And I think it was just a bad route. And then there was one last week where he was running an out route and had a drop, like kind of late in the game. And again, I think that like, I think they were both just like not very crisp routes. Uh, but this one, I'm willing to say it was more of Lawrence's fault for the week, week four mess. Uh, I will say before we break for defense, the most interesting, interesting post game, interesting. 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 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the most interesting post game quote I thought was Calvin really got asked about Evan Ingram, and he's like, "I tell myself, <laughs> I tell myself and teammates all the time, Evan Ingram's one of the best tight ends in the NFL." And like, I, I legitimately think like they believe it. And like, when you see plays, they love that like play action play where like he comes across like on a late drag across the field and yeah. just turn into the opposite side of the field. And like, just his ability like to get yards after the catch, I I think is. I'm not, I'm not sure how many tight ends in the NFL are matching it, you know, right now. Like it's yeah. it's not a it's not a long list. So I I think that signing really is like looking better and better by the game. I think you could continue to get better and better just because his usage is like good but not perfect in that like he's getting used in like a lot of like crossing routes and like all of his opportunities are like all of his catch opportunities are also like yards after catch opportunities. Uh, but at the same time, like, it would be interesting to see, like, him used as, like, a 
seam stretcher or a, a little bit more of a vertical threat since he's got the speed for it. Uh, so yeah. I don't know if that'll come to fruition because, like, that could – like, I don't think the Jags are just going to, like, completely change their playbook like that, and that's easier said than done. But, like, if he was getting more downfield production, then I think that would help his overall production and just, like, help where he's viewed – among tight ends in the league, but I'm right there with you and with Wordly. Like, I feel like top five is no one should argue with that. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to break real quick and then we'll be right back for the defense. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I guess. My Cardinals defense, dude. I didn't do it, man. I mean, outside of two coverage busts against CJ Stroud in week three, which, you know, aren't excusable. That's a reason they gave up like 14 of the 31 points that the defense allowed. So obviously, giant plays and a big loss. You can't say those don't count. But outside of those, a really good first month for my Cowboys defense, dude. Really and good first month. The way I put it was like, all right, Desmond Ritter is probably one of the worst, if not the worst, quarterbacks they're going to play this year. They do play Bryce Young later in the year, so we'll we'll see how things are looking at that point in time. Yeah, but this felt like one of the first times like the defense did what it was supposed to against like a young and you know, frankly, bad quarterback. You know, like mm-hmm. they, like they played Davis Mills plenty of times, and they never made Davis Mills look that bad. No, it was. It was a really good like game plan and then just execution. There was one three-play se- sequen- sequence that I wanted to break down where – or not even break down, but just the – on first down, there was a one-yard run by Bijan Robinson where it was like a stacked box. He might have made like one guy miss in the backfield, but it was like a pretty almost easy like run stop by the defense. And then on second and nine, the Falcons did a play-action shot attempt to Drake London and – Tyson Campbell had like an awesome deflection deep down the field. Uh, so like the fact that they were ready for kind of like both the run and then the shot play off of the run. So then on third and nine, uh, the Falcons had trips to the left and then the Jaguars overloaded like the right side of the offensive line, which made the Falcons shift their offensive line production towards the right. 
But then Foya Luakon, who's like up on the line of scrimmage in like a mugged look, he dropped off at the snap. And then Trey Herndon like came in from his nickel spot on a blitz. And Andre Sisko like picked up the zone behind Herndon. And Herndon had like just a free shot at Ritter. And he, I think Josh Allen technically got like the sack for the play. But Ritter just like kind of turned around to make Herndon miss. And then Josh Allen was right there. So just that's kind of what I was talking about last week is like the the Jaguars really want to do really well on first and second down so they can get into like third and long situations. And then you can see like fun blitz concepts like the Trey Herndon corner blitz. Um, so yeah, like just that three play sequence is exactly like what they're going for, but the game in general, they played really well. Like Bijan had that one 38 yard run. And other than that, like I think they had a pretty respectable performance against, as you put it, a top three ball carrier in the league. Yeah, no, I, I, I would definitely, you know, agree with you. I think when you look at their overall, you know, efforts against B. John, you know, yeah, he had the 38 yard run. He had a 21 yard run. And then, you know, other, other than that, his next biggest run was like a 13 yard run, you know? So like they mostly kept him in check outside of a couple runs, which I think like, he's the kind of player, like you just have to like tip your hat to him. Like, you know, he, he's going to be here at some point. Like I, I know, Chad Muma is probably going to get roasted, you know, for the rest of the season and clips from that. But, like, this is the kind of play I expect, like, Bijan like, to make yeah. against them. You know? Also, like, hats off to Chad Muma because I thought, like, Good game. in the whole game, yeah, he, he held his own. And, like, even that play that you're talking about, like, the first quarter Bijan juke. Yeah. He, he slowed him down, and then it was uh, – Bijan didn't get the first down. So, like, yeah, Bijan, like, might have embarrassed him a little bit and tank it, taken his ankles, but – Muma, like, still, even if he didn't get the tackle or even really make contact with Bijan, definitely slowed him down and get some credit for the third down stop. And I feel like the Falcons were uh, not clearly targeting him, but going after him a little bit in this game. And, again, like, he held his own. He was not, like, at all, like, a big weak, weak link. And, yeah, it was a solid Muma game. If I told you a second-year Jaguars linebacker got three pressures and two pass breakups in a big win, <laughs> Would you guess it's the backup third round inside linebacker or the first overall pick outside linebacker? Yeah, I probably guess it's a first overall. Is that is that your Balky ball segment of the week? Oh hell no, no. <laughs> hell no. no. <laughs> but no, Muma played like we 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 talked about how like Muma and like Lloyd would have had chances like to get their hands on footballs like over the middle, and mm-hmm. that's what we saw. You know, like Muma had two pass breakups, really nice plays over the middle. It, it's hilarious. When you look at like the defensive stats, the Falcons had zero pass deflection deflections recorded yesterday, like not a single one. Like literally, no ball from Trevor Lawrence was put like in harm's way. Like like what's every yesterday? Yeah, Chad Muma two pass breakups. Tyson Campbell two pass breakups. Darius Williams three pass breakups. Andre Sisco one pass breakup. Trey Herndon one pass breakup. But like, the it felt like almost like a third of Desmond Ritter's like passes the Jaguars are getting hands on. And I don't know, like on one hand, we literally just talked about gave up two giant plays to a busted play merchant and tank Dell and CJ, <laughs> CJ Stroud. On the other hand, when they're on one of the more underrated secondaries in the NFL right now, I think. Yeah. I, uh, Mike Caldwell wasn't around for the last Buffalo Bills game when the Jags won nine to six. <laughs> but, the culminator. Uh, yeah, the culminator. That was Did, that was the game. That was we, that game. go ahead. 
Were you ever around for a Joe Cullen press conference? I wasn't in person, but I like saw them online. He would always give an opening statement. <laughs> he was like <laughs> the president, like on like a fireside, like a yeah. draft. <laughs> yeah. And he would go over literally basically the entire game. It was like a five minute like monologue. And after it'd be like questions. I'm like, no, you just said everything that happened. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, in, in that game, the Jags, like to their credit, they were a pretty man heavy defensive scheme because they had like Shaq. Griffin was a big signing, and then they just drafted Tyson Campbell. CJ Henderson might have still been on the roster at that point. Uh, but then, like, they kept getting burned in man, like, in the first month or two of the year. So, like, they kind of were forced to switch to zone. And one of the first games that they did make, like, a major switch to zone was against the Bills, and they were able to confuse Josh Allen enough to not allow a touchdown. So, like, not to get too, uh, too ahead of ourselves, but, like, week five against the Bills in London will definitely be a really good test because – like the Bills just beat the Dolphins, who were just coming off of a 70-point performance of their own. Uh, but like Josh Allen, that group looks really good, so it'll be a good test for Mike Caldwell. Because, again, it's like going from Desmond Ritter to Josh Allen, there will be a big difference. But I'm I'm excited to see how they do. You think so? <laughs> I right. told you last week, quarterback, quarterback matchups matter. The the Falcons should have pulled Ritter at halftime. Like it's hmm. it's over for him. It's it Taylor Heineke Heineke. I don't, oh, I don't I know. Anybody, anybody. Like regardless of who their backup quarterback is, I'd say he should have gone in. You could have been the backup quarterback, and you should have gone in. Like, oh, it, so, thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's terrible. He is yeah. terrible. He made a couple like decent throws in the second oh, half. But, like I'm almost willing to like just chalk that off. To- Chalk that up to like game script. You're an apologist. Right. <laughs> I'm just pointing it out. He made like three good throws. I'm he did. To, I'm, I'm coming in his defense. Fair enough. Fair enough. I thought Darius Williams like should have had two picks. You know, like mm-hmm. for one. Like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> two handed drop. Like he drop. he has some of the fun, he has some of the funniest dropped interceptions in the NFL. And nobody sees it because it's the Jaguars, and like mm-hmm. only a select few people watch them every week. But it's like every other week, it's a pass that hits him right in the hand. You could definitely make a montage of his dropped interceptions, and like you wouldn't be able to post on Twitter because the video is too long. Yes, but I mean, the play that he made, like a pick six on the slant flat, like concept, like it just doesn't happen like very often. Like I, I thought it was one of his best games, like as a Jaguar. You know, like he was blanket in coverage, and I thought I thought they did a good job on Drake London overall. Like the Falcons did a good job to, like, the Jaguars are pretty like true to. They're not gonna like follow you inside like your receiver. Like if you line up your alpha inside, they're gonna let Trey Herndon go against him. Mm-hmm. So the Falcons were able to get Trey Herndon versus Drake London a few times. Hernan gave up the one touchdown. Otherwise, I thought the Jaguars kept London like in check really well. You know, like Hernan had that really. Trey Hernan also had that like huge uh, fourth down end zone breakup against London to like pretty much seal the game. So <laughs> Hernan didn't get didn't get uh, what do you say last week? He was going to get a tackle for a loss and an interception, but he had a huge pass deflection and he had like the pressure that I talked about earlier where Josh Allen ended up getting sacked. So definitely still a good Trey Herndon game. Definitely a good Darius Williams game. He would, he gets my game ball for the week on defense because obviously like the pick six is the biggest play of the game by 
just the eye test, but also like any metric in terms of like most expected points added and win probability before and after the play. Uh, so that was a huge play. And then like we, I talked, or at least I talked a little bit on last Friday show about like having some concern for him in the run game. And like that didn't happen at all. Like it was probably because the Jaguars' defense like was able to stop a lot of runs before they got to the perimeter in the secondary, but like it, there wasn't any concerns about like him and his size against the Falcons offensive line or even the Falcons bigger receivers like London and Mac Collins. If if I remember Bijan's big run too, it was kind of like a busted play almost. Like he hit the hole and it was nothing and he cut back like all the way across the field. I think that was like a little bit of a bust play, but a little bit of like a good play. Too. Maybe maybe I was just when I saw it live, I like thought it was a counter and yeah. like just did a really good job of like kind of like running against the defense's flow. But now that you're saying it, like maybe it was just a broken play, and I'm giving Arthur Smith too much credit. So, no, like other than obviously the big games from the secondary, I thought Andre Cisco had a really good game too. Really strong tackling performance. Mm-hmm. I thought fully fought a Kasi. It it shocked me to see that him and Chase on played the same amount of snaps yesterday. Like when like you look at like they only he only played forty percent of snaps. I thought mm-hmm. he was like extremely you know impactful. He only registered one tackle, one pressure. But I thought he was like, like a stalwart in the middle. You know, he had a big pressure up the middle. It was a really good call by Mike Caldwell to bring like move on a blitz. So he basically had you know, man on man like all across like five one on ones. You know, on the pass rush, Fadakasi bull rush to center. You know, into the quarterback slap. Josh Allen gets the sack. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen, man, three and second hat trick of the year. Yeah, I, I know some of the sacks aren't freaking Lawrence Taylor dipping around the edge, like blowing past an offensive tackle. I know, Jesus <laughs> Christ, I know. I have seen your tweets. <laughs> I, I like, like I tweeted out yesterday, like he has six sacks to four games, and he had seven sacks last year and seventeen regular season games. And to me, my stance on like his sacks is sacks are already a really volatile stat. You know, like pressures are already more indicative of impact and, you know, consistency than sacks are. Mm-hmm. So it to me, Josh Allen has always just been like an unlucky pass rusher, you know, and like a big part of that is because they haven't had a lot of great pass rushers across from him because a lot of times sacks can be the result of another guy getting pressure. But Josh Allen, you know, dating back to 2022 is fifth among all edge rushers and pressures. And he had another five to seven, depending on whether you use PFF or NGS yesterday. So, like, even if some of the sacks aren't, like, the most dominant of wins, like, he's all he's always been getting pressure at the high clip. The entire book on him has been, you know, not turning the pressures into sacks. To me, it, it shouldn't matter, like, the quality of sack. If those pressures are finally turning into him, no matter how they are, he's finally getting lucky. I think that's a big development for the defense just because – like he, he's been like such to me like one of the unluckiest pass rushers in the NFL the last few years. Like he was one of the best like down to down pressure guys in the NFL last year, and seven sacks like that's just not a normal thing to see with a guy with that kind of production. Yeah, he only has double digit sacks in one season of his career, which is his rookie year. And the reason you can explain that is by looking at Jacksonville's like defensive line each year of his career because it was by far the best during his rookie year in 2019, and then dropped off. Uh, I like quarterback hits the most as like a edge rusher stat because 
they're less noisy than stats uh, since like stats only come in bunches, but then also probably a little bit better than pressures because I mean, you just had the outline for pressures, but quarterback sacks and quarterback hits are basically like in between pressures and sacks as like a way to um, value like edge rusher production. That all said, uh, only TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, and Nick Bosa have more quarterback hits than Josh Allen this season. He produces. He's, he's been good, man. And like, he's like probably one of the better edges uh, against the run, too. He's clearly the locker room leader. Like, I tweeted out this morning a picture of him like walking into the locker room after he did like a post game interview, I would assume. And everyone's. I don't know. Not that it's like, surprising, but everyone's like ecstatic to see like their defensive leader, and he gives a little bit of like a post game speech. So, yeah, he's definitely like that guy for the Jaguars' defense. You called him the second most important Jaguar, which I agree with you. He goes, "That's not Etn. That's not Kirk. That's not Walker Little. That's not Ingram." He said Evan Ingram, but he spelled Ingram with an I. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we didn't really see Trayvon step it up quite yet. His pass rush win rate is still not great, Bob. Uh, so that just he, goes to – So just he, like, go ahead. He, he got credit with two pressures yesterday. You know, it was like 4.7, like, win rate, and it's still, like, just – like Yeah, he got credit with his sack. Um, you know, we're not going to take sacks away from Josh Allen. We won't take any away from Trayvon Walker, so – yeah, he got mm-hmm. a sack, but just a down and down impact as a pass rusher is simply not there. And I really don't think that's going to change until his role changes. So I, 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 I thought this game was indicative of that. And I also think like that's a big reason why. I mean, Josh Allen's agent has to be happy right now because like if you're the Jaguars, to me, you can't let Josh Allen leave this team right now. Like you have no backup plan other than you can say you drafted, you know. Trayvon number one overall, but that that would be like a potentially like fireable offense if you do that and it backfires, which it probably would, you know, obviously. So J- Josh Allen, you know, both because of his performance and because of Trayvon's, I think has built more leverage than he's ever had, you know, with the Jaguars, you know, because I didn't think he had a ton of leverage entering the season, you know, despite his talent. But I think right now, like he has a ton and like, okay, so just looking at pass rush win rates right now, Josh Allen, third out of all pass rushers with at least 50 pass rushers, he's 31st out of 82. Not elite or anything like that, but I mean, TJ Watts 26, Brian Burns is 24. You know, like it, it's a noisy, you know, stat that over time will, you know, even out. Right now, Trayvon Walker is 58th, you know, and it, if you want like something like, to maybe hang your hat on that it can improve. Like Daniel Hunter is right below him. Sam Williams is right below him. Arden Key is 54th right now, you know. So, but right now it's clear like Josh Allen is the like far and away, like the most important, like to me, player for the defense entering next year, too. Totally. Yeah. I think go, like before the season, I would have been like, oh, like Josh Allen is like maybe as valuable or has similar to the similar value to Boye Luokan in the middle of the defense and then Tyson Campbell in the back end of the defense. But through the first month, like Boye and Tyson have both like had very good seasons and are still very good players. But Josh Allen is kind of like separating himself from 
again, like anyone on the team not named Trevor Lawrence. You ready for this week's bulky ball? <laughs> I thought you already did it, but yeah, let's do it. No, no, not even close. <laughs> not even close. Okay. Hear me yeah, out. Okay. Would you rather have re-signed Josh Allen this offseason to a relatively moderate deal, you know, like a top 10 to 15 edge contract, nothing crazy. Yeah. I'm not going to give you any numbers. I don't, I didn't research anything for this or, or would you rather have masterclassed it, not giving him a contract. So he's now in the contract year and he plays the best football of his life and gets six sacks in four games and will now command obviously a much larger contract, but <laughs> which one? Yeah, no, that's pretty interesting. I think, I would have rather paid him a top 10 to 15 edge. You got masterclass. Like, okay. You can't. <laughs> I walked right into it, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. No, no. You got bulky ball. No, no. It's, no it, it, I would have it, rather paid the man. Yeah. It, well, yeah, okay. Now you're making me feel like, yeah, every athlete deserves to get, get paid. And, you know, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe putting. I, them the feet to the fire, you know. I, I, I do get your point. Like he's definitely like appeared extremely motivated this year, and like this is the first season that I've been like pretty close to the team. So I don't know. I can't say like whether that motivation has actually been different compared to years past. I I think like, so. Like yeah. he, he's always like I, I hate when people say contract year because he's always been a really motivated player. But right. any player in a contract year is going to be like I, this is the year I need to turn up. So yeah, yeah, maybe you could have given him a you know, relatively safe deal, or he could have masterclassed it and helped him have the best year of his career. That's that's crazy talk. No, it's, no, no. You, it's, you got bulky ball. It's not crazy. You're crazy. Let me, let me ask you this. With the, like, leverage thing with the agent that you are talking about earlier, do you think that, like, makes there a bigger chance that he could sign a contract before the season ends? Or do you – Okay, so you're still fully expecting it to be a 2024 off-season deal. I think I say all of this thing is a new deal. I, I think it's going to get franchise tag, probably. <laughs> like, honestly, like they yeah. just they, they don't do deals like in season, like and not like personally. I think it makes sense when teams are like that because like if you get like start talking contracts with a guy like during a season. I don't know, man. You make you make the wrong offer. You make the wrong move. You know the critical point in the season, and you hurt feelings, and it's it's just not productive. So I, yeah. I, I, I think that they start those conversations when the season ends, like they did with Joan last year. I guess would probably be the best example. And my expectation is probably that he'll get franchise tagged. Is my expectation. I I think he'll be like Evan Ingram this year, where it's like. Whether it's a tag, whether you get a deal, at some point you're you're not playing anywhere else next season. Yeah, the only thing that would give me pause about the tag is that, like, I guess I assume that Calvin Ridley would be the most likely player to get the franchise tag next offseason. But I mean, through the first four games alone, again, small sample size, but Josh Allen has definitely—I <laughs> don't want to say deserved the franchise tag because like no one deserves to get the franchise tag, tag placed on them, but like hockey ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess he deserves to be kept over any other player. I, uh, so, like, right now, if you had to use the franchise, like, you can only keep – you can only guarantee to keep one of Josh Allen or Calvin Ridley next year. Who is it? Oh, I know I'm asking the Calvin Ridley guy, but – You're just asking the offense guy. Oh, God. Like, You're the only one who likes points, Gus. 
That's so <laughs> trendy of you. Yeah. You 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 loved when Arthur Smith was calling runs with five minutes to go yesterday. So you could say, now he's really establishing the run. You love that. You love it. <laughs> I love passing offenses, first of yeah. all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. You uh, are. I feel like I'd have to say Josh Allen. Like my heart is telling me Calvin Ridley, but my brain is telling me Josh Allen. Like there's the, the drop off between Josh Allen and like whoever else you get in the building is there's massive compared to anyone else on the team, including Calvin Ridley versus like Marvin Jones or anyone else that you'd get. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. I like, I, I don't think they can let Josh Allen like play anywhere else. Like, I, I don't know who any of the top edge prospects are this year. I don't know if there's like a Will Anderson in the class or whatever, but like, unless like you have a clear path to getting that guy, like Josh Allen can't go anywhere. Totally. All right. We're going to break real quick. We're going to get to you already gave one out, but we'll get back to it. Our game balls and hot takes. Yep. Then we're going to wrap it up. All right, Gus. You already gave out defensive game ball, Darius Williams. I'll go ahead and start <laughs> off giving you mine. I'm going to be bold. The mm. guy had three sacks. I, I, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it, it's the most Josh Allen like luck thing ever. Like a week where he should be like, yeah, three sacks in a primetime game, a strip sack, you know, one of the best games of his career. You know, the only game at the time that people are watching, so everybody's seeing it. You do it in a contract year. Should be a lock to beat defense player of the week, and then Khalil Mack gets six sacks in a game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> at least he got some Toy Story animations to show to his kid. Did, did, did you like the Toy Story stuff? Uh, at first, I was like – underwhelmed because i was like this is like there's no way you can like follow a football game this way like if you're if you're actually a fan of football then like you'd be way better off watching the broadcast like because obviously the toy story broadcast was geared yeah. towards kids uh or even just like not huge football fans but that said like as the game went on i thought it was pretty cool because there was like they would show you different angles in that broadcast i guess versus the normal broadcast, they would be a little bit zoomed out. So honestly, it was easier to see like route concepts and like what was going on. So it was like almost like a like Fox, like all 22. Uh, but I thought it was entertaining, like having like the slinky or whatever, the dog as the first down marker, having like whenever players like had a breakaway run, they would have the fire kind of yeah. off their feet, set fire to the field or whatever. So I, I, I'm not going to sit down and watch the whole thing, and I never would, but I thought it was fun. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on all that. Like, on, like, that Lawrence, like, scramble, like, for, like, 26 yards. Yeah. Like, you could see, like, perfectly, like, the play they were trying to call, and it's complete sicko thing. It'd be like, yeah, breaking down route concepts using that. <laughs> 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 story. But, uh, offense, game ball, who you got? Uh, I got Christian Kirk just because I was expecting one of him or Engram to step up, and I was expecting it more to be Engram, but I thought Kirk had a really good year or a really good game. Um, I don't know if the Jaguars, like, don't win the game without him, but I just yeah. feel like he was probably, like, the best offensive player on the field. I, I'm going with Brandon Sheriff, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grady Jarrett got put on a milk card. I don't, don't know if he – made the trip to England, but you know, <laughs> like 
I, I thought one of Brandon Sheriff's best games as a Jaguar considering the matchup. Like he he was just extremely like stout and pass pro. Obviously they didn't get a ton in the running game, but like from initial watch, like it wasn't like he was having immediate losses or anything. So mm-hmm. that's the one I'm going with. Special okay. teams. Uh ooh, I'll go Jacob Harris. UCF had a decent weekend after all, just because oh he had he he down two punts and it's it's nothing like the Logan Cook, Chris Claybrooks connection that we've talked about yeah uh jacob harris i thought like it wasn't his first game or his first game on special teams but i thought it was like his first impactful nfl game as a jaguar if you could stretch it that far i mean if i had if i had to give a game ball for someone on special teams that he he found like two golf two balls inside the 10 i'm pretty sure so i'll give him <laughs> jacob harris. a dude made a 56 yard field goal and you're giving it to a gunner <laughs> We yeah. can't have the same game ball every time, John. Oh, God. Go oh, God. Yeah, Jacob Harris had a great game on special teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I'm not, well, otherwise, we're going to be saying, like, McManus or Cook every single week. Yeah. I was just trying to switch it up, man. <laughs> no, McManus, Cook, a long snapper, you know, a holder. Okay. A returner. I think had a nice game. Christian Kirk. Right. Christian Kirk had two very nice fair catches. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Didn't have anybody else back there. Like it is clear both he and the team did not want him returning punts. I was gonna say, like, in his defense, I wonder if like the team is just telling him straight. Yeah, you could, I, I honestly it probably would make sense too. Like, there's no reason for him to like risk any like yeah, like well, I, I knew sorry, go ahead. I was surprised he even went out there. Like, I know he's one of, like, the emergency return guys, but when you already had so many pump returner injuries, I was surprised he went out there to begin with. That's fair. Could have had sent Cisco out there after all the punt return snaps he got in the offseason. <laughs> he only dropped, like, one in, like, all the reps that he took, which is fairly impressive for, like, a someone who we didn't really think of as a special teams player. But, yeah, like Agnew was out for the game. Parker Washington returned one punt and immediately had a knee injury and didn't return. Apparently that's going to be, quote, unquote, pretty serious per Doug Peterson this morning. So we'll see how much time he misses. I got one for you. I don't know if he's ever returned a punt in his life. Christian Braswell. Mm. Let him do something. (laughs) Let him do something. (laughs) All right. Does does Dearness return any? Punts because he's returned a couple kicks. Return his kicks. Yeah, return his kicks. Uh, All right. I know to you, offense fans, all punts and kicks are the same, but Mm, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, You got a hot text to send us home? Yeah, I got two. Uh, The first one is the Jaguars will have the top ranked run defense from weeks 11 through the rest of the season. And the main reason I say that is because the Jaguars have just had a really good run defense so far. I know they were top three in pretty much most, at least, advanced metrics going into the weekend, and I assume they're going to stick there after Sunday's game. Uh, But they're doing really well without Devon Hamilton, who's arguably their best run defender. So I'm giving, like, I don't know when he's going to come back, but I think, like, by week 10-ish, you can hope that he'll be back. Uh, And then I just – I also said after week 10 because – the Jaguars played the Niners in week 10 and Christian McCaffrey just scored four total touchdowns. So after the Niners game, they'll be ranked as the number one run defense in the league is my hot take. 
I guess my only hot take is Josh Allen's the second best and most valuable play on the roster. Hmm. I, I, I'm not sure how many fans would agree with that before the season or like even right now, you'd probably get a lot of Ridley or Kirk or Campbell or Ingram, Foyer, et cetera. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> Some people would say that's all I'm saying. Yeah. I, I, I think it's clearly Josh Allen. Yeah. I think even if it doesn't like feel like a hot take coming up, coming off, like, it's, it's a good take and one that should be said. So my only other take is that Travis Kelsey and um, Taylor Swift are not dating, and it's just a media wow. scam or whatever you want to call it, an advertising bonanza. Like, I I finally got fed up to the point last night when I was watching, like, the Sunday night preview show, and, like, they geared it, like, just specifically to Taylor Swift fans. Um, and then – You're not a Swiftie? It's too much for me at this point. It's it's gone past the line, and I'm like, it's it's not real. Like with the Jake Jake from State Farm sitting in the stands with Kelsey's mom, uh, yeah, like it's it's gone too far for me. They're not real. I, I do want to say the worst tweets of this football season this year and probably of this generation are any tweets that mention Donna Kelsey and Zach Wilson. I, I hated every one of those. I, yeah, I, I hated I'm, I'm sure Donna Kelsey is like a very nice woman, but I agree with you. Like I, I, I don't care. <laughs> say it, say it. You want to get her out of there? <laughs> Throw her out. That's what you want to say. And like, I guess matter. Sunday Night Football's defense, like Aaron Rodgers is a clang, so you can't do the whole Rodgers Mahomes showdown angle. But and like, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just sick of. Like, Taylor Swift angle. But before we go, do you have any takes on Nate Hackett and Zach Wilson having a better game against the Chiefs defense than the Jaguars? No. 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 <laughs> it was it was a sobering outcome, I think. But yeah. I'm with you. All right. Well, on that happy note, we will be <laughs> back. We'll be back Friday to preview the Buffalo Bills. Guess you got anything else for us? No, sir. Looking forward to that. All right. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll be back later this week.